been endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom uh, descendeth from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. <coughs> Excuse me. But the wisdom of wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace in them that make peace. Thank you, Father, for this word today. Thank you for your good word, for your spirit and power, Lord Jesus. Minister in this place in a mighty way today, Lord Jesus. Help us to get out of the way and let you minister. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. In James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, I'm going to actually read through 17 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by, by his noble living show forth his good works with the unobtrusive humility, which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, envy, and in contention, rivalry, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourselves on it, and thus be in defiance of the fall and defiance of and false to the truth. This superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, animal, even devilish, demonical. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, and selfish ambition, there will be also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, undefiled. Then it is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering, and insincerity. Amen. So we're going to talk today on this subject, true wisdom comes from God. True wisdom comes from God. Amen. And we live in a day and in an hour. Amen. I got my cell phone out earlier and talked about how that we, you know, used to be back in the days of Star Trek, this was just a a dream. But now everybody has one of these. Even if you're poor, you have one of these of some sort or another. It's very, very, it's very reasonable to own one of these things. You don't hardly have to have any money to have one. And so everybody, you can walk around this city and everybody's walking around doing like this, running into poles and everything. Amen. And so a lot of what we saw of the North American Youth Congress was people with their cell phones up, just videoing the whole thing live as as you could sit right in your house and watch it. Amen. And so we we have a, a great day that we live in, and it's wonderful to have all this technology, but all this wisdom and all of these things are great. But what does the Bible say about, you know, we ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth? of who Jesus is, of the need for this salvation. And so wisdom is a great thing, but man's wisdom can bring about lots of problems. 
Amen. In this day. And so we're going to talk about today just for a little bit the true wisdom that comes from God. And so my question and the question that God asked me as he gave me this was, are we really accomplishing anything truly of any value for the kingdom of God if we are operating in our own wisdom? And you might say to yourself, well, I'm not operating in my own wisdom. I'm, I'm serving the Lord and I'm, I'm studying the scripture and I'm doing all these things, but we can very easily fall into operating in our own wisdom. We need to make sure that the wisdom by which we are operating is truly of God and not of us. How can we do that? How can we know? How, how can it, we possibly know the difference between what is God's wisdom and what is our wisdom. Well, it seems like it would be fairly simple, and it is. It's really very simple because the word of God that we just read bears it out through the writings of James. Because in there he says, Who is who is wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who out there thinks he's wise? Who out there thinks he's he is a wise man? Let him show out a good conversation, his out of a good conversation or a good uh, way, uh, a lifestyle, if you will, uh, his works with meekness and wisdom. Whose wisdom? God's wisdom. He, but he goes on to say, and he he, say, he tells us where man's wisdom comes into play, and it's not God's wisdom. And he says in verse fourteen, but if you have bitter Envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, not God's wisdom, but man's wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Amen. It's man's wisdom. It's man saying, I got this. I understand what's going on. I can handle this situation. For where envying and strife is, talking about the wisdom of this world, there is confusion in every evil work. He's, he's dividing, he's telling us where, how to tell the difference between what is God's wisdom and what is man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is full of all of this stuff. Then he says in verse 17, but, but, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. This is how you know if it's godly wisdom. If it's God's wisdom, if it comes from God, it is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated or easy to be dealt with, full of mercy, amen, and good fruits. So it's basically saying you can tell the wisdom of God by the fruit of it. Without partiality, without hypocrisy. You know, God told us not to be a respecter of persons. And that mean, that includes those people out there that don't know who Jesus is. That includes that person that pulls out in front of you. That includes that person that walked, that, that gets in front of you in the line at Walmart and you want to say that idiot or whatever. Well, I'm, that idiot is a child of God, whether they acknowledge Him or not, because they are made in His similitude and His likeness, are they not? They're made like by, they made to look like Him just like we were. And I have to tell myself, and I have to remind myself, that is a soul. 
They didn't, they didn't mean to do that. And if they had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't have done that. Well, they might have. But in likelihood, they wouldn't have. Amen? And so we've got to, it's almost like you've got to tell yourself. Because we have to remember that person's a soul and they might be looking in their rearview mirror and see you reacting the way you're reacting. Slamming your steering wheel or doing whatever and and you just ruined your witness. And that's not the wisdom of God. How do we get that wisdom of God? It's right here in this in the Word of God. Amen? The problem is that we can run into is that if we don't remain humble before God, who is the source of all true wisdom, we just read that, He is the source of all true wisdom. All power and dominion and authority comes from Him. All wisdom of this world comes from Him. If we have the wisdom, if we have the knowledge to 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 do open heart surgery and, and to replace hearts and replace man's hands with another hand. He has given man that wisdom. He has given man that knowledge and that ability to know how to do that. He's released it into their brains to know how to do that. And then there's some things that he doesn't release into their brains. He doesn't give them the knowledge to know how to do it. And he leaves those things out in the open because at some point he wants them to, to look up and acknowledge him. Because we can't do anything without Him. Not one single thing. You cannot do one single thing without Him. But we can run into the danger of becoming lifted up in ourselves and begin to start taking credit for the things that He is working in and through us as His vessels. How do we do, how does that happen? Well, we start studying His Word. We start memorizing the Word of God. We start uh, thinking, just as Israel did, that we got this. You know, I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this knowing the Scripture. I'm getting pretty good. We start getting lifted up in ourselves. And we start thinking that we are in control now. We, don't, we might not say that. We might not even think that. But subconsciously, we start real, we start walking away from our trust and faith in God and our and our staying humble before Him, realizing that He is in control of everything. You know, eye has not seen the Bible said, and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men. It hasn't entered into your heart yet. It hasn't entered into your spirit the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. We have no idea what He has in prepared for us. Amen? Amen. We have no idea what's coming down the road. Amen. Anybody ever, you know, you go, we go through life, we plan our day, and we think we got everything in control, and then one morning we wake up and something changes. Something totally unexpected happens and we're going, man, I gotta change my whole schedule because of this. The car won't start or it rained last night and now you got three inches of water in your basement or something. Something happens that just totally freaks out your whole schedule. And now all of a sudden we realize we aren't in control. And so we've got to be careful. The word wisdom used is used, <clears throat> excuse me, 234 times in the King James Version. Of the Bible. <clears throat> and the majority of those times are used in the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. 
And we've, it's been emphasized here to read that book and to learn those principles and those truths that are in the, and those Proverbs that are in that book. And I'm going to read a couple of them for you this morning. Proverbs 1, verse 2 through 6 says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. What is he referring to? This was written to the people of Israel and it was written to us. He's talking about the wisdom of God. Because he knew that all wisdom... Who wrote this? Solomon. He knew that all wisdom came from God. He was the wisest king and the wisest man that ever lived. And he knew where his wisdom came from. Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 5 says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up the vo- thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. And so we are to seek wisdom. He is trying to put this across to us. We are to seek after the wisdom of God. Amen. And if you're seeking after the wisdom of God, you can't be seeking after your own wisdom. You can't do both at the same time. We need God's wisdom. We need His knowledge, His understanding. We need His authority. Amen. I cannot defeat one devil without Him. I can't get up and breathe and live and move and have my being without Him. Amen. Because it says, in Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Amen. So it seems simple and it seems it really is that, that if we could, could and would just follow these precepts and principles that we would have no problem walking with the Lord. But the truth is, is that we have problems at times staying on the path of righteousness. Amen. We don't like to stay humble. We want to feel like that we are in control and we've got this thing. It's in our nature. Amen? As I said earlier, these precepts and principles were given to Israel in the Old Testament. And we find Israel, if we go back and read, they had lots of problems. Jeremiah 8, verse 8 through 9 says, How can you say... We are wise and we have written the written law of the Lord and are learned in the language and teaching. This is how they amplified. Behold, the truth is, the lying pen of the scribes has made of the law of falsehood and a mere code of ceremonial observances. Yeah, they knew the law. The law had been brought to them, but they only knew it with head knowledge. They hadn't put it in here. And verse 9 says, The wise man shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken captive. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom, 
And what wisdom and broad, full intelligence is in them? Their own. It's kind of a rhetorical question. It's their own wisdom. They have taken what God gave them and designed their own wisdom and their own way around it. And if you read about Israel, that's all, that's, this is the book, the book of Jeremiah where the prophet Jeremiah was sent to tell Israel, you better get on the straight and narrow. You better stop thinking your own way of thinking. You better start following the principles and the precepts that God gave you to follow because you're not doing it. And if you don't turn from that, God's going to come and He's going to put you in bondage. And this man spent his entire ministry, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah spent his entire ministry preaching to a people that never listened to him. And what happened to them? They ended up in bondage. Amen. Are we any different than Israel today? If we don't listen to the things of God, if we don't listen to what God is saying to us, whether it's through that book or whether it's through a preacher or, or some, whether it's me or Brother Parker or somebody else, if we're not listening and taking paying heed to what God is saying, we're going to end up just like Israel. Amen. God delivered us out of bondage. You know, one day, you know, the Bible says that no man comes to him except the Father draws him. So we can't come to God of our own volition, of our own free will. We can't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to serve God. Because if we did do that, it's because of God's mercy and grace that He put that thought in our mind. He gave us that hunger and that desire to want to come and serve Him. And so when we did that, we made that choice, we walked away from a lot of bondage. You might not have felt like you were in bondage. You might have thought you had your life in control at that time. But when we got on the other side of water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, something was different. And what was one of the things that was different was that we had submitted ourselves to Him. We gave up. We gave Him control of our life. We might not have said those words at that altar when we received the Holy Ghost, but we just, we basically said with our actions, God, you're in control now. It's not me anymore. It's you. I made a mess of this. Amen? So it's not my wisdom anymore. It's your wisdom. So Israel thought they could handle things. We thought we were handling our life okay until we found the place where we said, you know what? I can't do this. My wisdom isn't working. They forgot, Israel did, that that the true wisdom and direction that they needed to live from day to day came from the God that had called them out first. He separated and called them out and made them his people. And then when they went into bondage, he delivered them out of bondage in a mighty way. And how easily they forgot that it was the wisdom and the power and the and the mighty things of God that delivered them across that Red Sea, that took not only delivered them across that Red Sea, but took their enemy out. And he said, you'll never see this enemy again after this. And as soon as they stepped away from that Red Sea, they forgot. Every time he delivered them, every time he sent them quails, every time he sent them manna, they were thankful for a moment, but then they forgot because they so easily fell into the trap of thinking they had this thing under control. When Moses went up on the mountain, after uh, a little bit of time, they said, well, he took his God with him and went up on the mountain. We need us a God. And so they made themselves a God. Man's wisdom. 
Amen? We don't want to wait on God. We don't want to wait on God's wisdom. We don't want to trust God's wisdom. Amen? It's the true wisdom that comes from God that we need to lean on and depend on. Every one of us in this room, in all likelihood, has been guilty of this very same thing at some point in our life. And we'll be guilty of it in the future. Unless we stay humbled before God. And maintain that relationship so where we know, when, when we get to that place, God will convict us. He'll let us know that we're, we're kind of leaning away from, from Him and on our own. You know, one preacher called it having a bootstrap mentality. Anybody ever heard the the phrase, I'm going to lift myself up by my own bootstraps? You know, I can do this. I, I can lift myself up by my own bootstraps. Right? It's it's a saying in America. You can pull your own bootstraps up and say, I can put my own boots on. I, I got this thing. Amen? And we've got to be careful of that. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's all of your inner being, all your inner man, all of your who you are as an individual. And lean not to thine own understanding. Don't trust your own understanding. Don't lean on it. Don't even trust it because your own understanding was what got you in the mess you were in in the first place. And if you didn't need God, He would have never come to you and prompted you to come to Him. He would have never put that seed in you and caused you to be drawn to Him. So we can't lean on our own understanding. This man was writing this out of his own experience. In all thy ways. How many is all? In the Greek, it means all. All thy ways. Does that leave anything out? Well, I will... Acknowledge Him in all my ways except this right here. Because I don't want to let this go yet. Well, then you're not submitted to God. And He's not going to honor that. Amen? The amazing thing is, is that we will come to God to an altar of repentance and we will give everything up right at that moment. And He will honor that moment. And He will fill us with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. And the moment we walk away from that altar, we can begin to take stuff back. And He won't stop you. And what's happening there is your wisdom is already coming back into play. The enemy's already there in your head. The minute you walk away from this altar telling you, yeah, that, that's great, you got the Holy Ghost, but you don't, you, you got this and this and this in your life. You, I wouldn't, I would take this stuff back and we listen to that stuff. And if we listen to it too long, we'll respond to it. Amen? So we've got to be careful. The enemy does not want us to succeed. And it says here, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And that's the hardest part for us as humans. We don't want to let go. Amen? And let God drive the bus. We want to be in control. And if we're serving him, if we really believe what what Matthew 15 and 5 says, John 15 and 5, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> if we really believe that, if we really believe that He is the vine and we are the branch, if you ever seen a, a grapevine, anybody ever seen a, a winery? There's several of them around here. 
those great those those branches depend on that vine that's the roots in the ground for all of their nourishment for everything so that they can produce fruit and even if they don't disconnect all the way if there's a storm or some wind and one of those branches kind of comes partly disconnected you won't see it right away but there there's going to be some results of that eventually you're going to start seeing that branch start to wither amen and so if we don't stay connected to him if we don't Acknowledge him in all of our ways and allow him to direct our paths. We're going to be, we're going to be broken off and we're not going to be fed by that, that, that vine. It says in verse seven, be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes, in your own thinking. Don't think of yourself, Bible says, more highly than you ought to think. What does it say about when a person gets like that and haughty and all that? Take heed lest they fall. You're setting yourself up for a fall if you try to operate by your own wisdom. But I'm not, I don't understand everything that's happened in my life. Exactly. You're not supposed to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear, respect, honor, reverence the Lord. Reverence His will and His way. You trusted Him when you came to an altar of repentance. You trusted Him when you went down in Jesus' name in baptism. You trusted Him with your life. Don't go back and take it back away. Amen? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What evil? What evil is He talking about? Verse 5, the evil of leaning on your own understanding. It's not talking about demonic evil necessarily. I believe it's talking about the whole concept of leaning on your own understanding and not acknowledging Him in all of your ways. That's the evil that He's referring back to. Depart from that evil. Depart from that whole concept of believing that you have any say-so in your life if you've turned it over to Him. I'm trusting the true wisdom comes from God. And God, I might not understand what's going on in my life right now. And I might not even like what's going on in my life right now. But it's not about whether I like it or not. It's not about whether I, whether I understand it or not. I have to believe that God has all things in His hand and He is, He is just ordering my steps, the Bible says. Ordering my steps aright. He's given me light for the steps that I can see, and He's not going to show me anything beyond that because He wants me to trust Him. Are we going to trust Him? It's one thing to have faith, but it's another thing to trust Him that He knows what He's doing even when we don't understand it. Praise God. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much... As this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the principle of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. What was he saying there? What was the prophet Isaiah saying there? 
Wherefore the Lord said, at, at this people draw near to me with their mouth. Empty words. All empty promises. And with their lips they do honor me. Empty promises, empty lives, empty praise, empty worship, empty religion. That's what he's really saying. But have removed their heart far from me. They're worshiping me. They're following me mechanically, religiously, but they really don't mean it. They really don't trust in my wisdom. They think they've got to take control. Why do you think Israel told God, we want king? We want a king. We want a leader. We want, we want what they have over there. Instead of just letting God lead them, they insisted on having a king. He said, fine. I'm going to give you some kings, and some of them aren't going to be very nice. Amen. Be careful what you ask for sometimes. Amen. The Jews in, the, in Jesus' day were considered the authorities of all things pertaining to God and the Holy Scriptures. Judaism had become their own version of the original Mosaic Law. And the God that God had given them in the wilderness, they had drifted very far from God's wisdom and had developed their own wisdom and philosophies based on the original, the original Mosaic Law. So they had come up with their own version of what they thought the Mosaic Law should say and be, and, and the rules and regulations and all the things that they did. Amen. And they had become a law unto themselves. This was played out many times in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. They sound, uh, they sounded devout and religious and important and wielded great human and spiritual authority over their own people. So in all of their religious and human wisdom and supposed knowledge of scriptures, they missed the coming of Jesus by a mile. Matter of fact, they probably missed it by a few inches because the Messiah stood right in front of them several times and they had no clue who he was. And he tried to tell them who he was. And it was, the Bible said that even in the reading of the, of the scriptures, they still have blinders over their eyes to this day. They were blinded by their own ambition, blinded by their own wisdom, blinded by their own way of doing things. They had so become so involved and engulfed in their own way of doing things that they had actually caused themselves to be blind to the who was standing right in front of them. They could not discern who it was that was standing right in front of them, even when he told them over and over again who he was. And yet he still loved them. Matthew thirteen fifty three. if we could go there. Is my booth person going to? Matthew thirteen fifty three. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. Next verse. I'm going to go through 58. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them there in their synagogue, and as much as they were astonished and said, Whence has this man wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended at him, because Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. 
And he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. He was standing right in front of them. They were asking themselves, where does he get all this wisdom? Where does he get all this stuff? Amen. They were looking in the natural. And that's what we got to be careful as we begin to operate in our own wisdom. We're looking in the natural. and We're not looking in the spiritual. We're not seeing what God sees. Amen. We're looking at this level. He's looking at 30,000 feet. He sees way more of the big picture than we can see from where we're standing. So that's why we got to trust the wisdom of God because He sees things that's coming in our life. And if we stay on the path we choose... We're gonna, we're gonna fall down. We're, something's gonna happen that wouldn't normally happen if we just stay on the path He chose. Even though it looks like the less worn path when you get to the, that path in the woods, the one that's, the path that's less worn. It doesn't look like the right way to go, does it? And your wisdom in your mind would tell you, uh, there's not many people that go that way. I don't know if I'd go that way. I don't, I'm not sure if that's a good path because it's not very well trodden, but, that's the path he wants us to go on. In his wisdom. If we listen to our wisdom, we're going to follow the path everybody else has taken. And where does that path lead? To destruction. Matthew 23, verse 23 through 28. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 23, verse 23 through 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He was trying to reach the scribes and Pharisees. He was trying to help them. I know it doesn't sound like it when we read this, but he was really trying to reach out to them and help them. Because he had mercy and grace. He wanted them to open their eyes and see. And some of them did. There were some of the Pharisees that did. Ananias. There were some of the Pharisees, there was the one that came and buried him. They, they had their eyes open, but these men, he was trying. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters in the law of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Now, blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers. What's a sepulcher? That's right. Which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. That word iniquity is lawlessness. and that, That's good. Amen. So if you're lawless, you're a law unto yourself. Amen. So we've got to be careful that we don't fit that mold that he just described. He was trying to tell them, I know who you are. I, I understand where you are. And I'm trying to get you to see that you are self-righteous and, and all these things. How many of us are thankful that somebody got up and preached a hard message one time? 
That we, that we were sitting back there with our toes curled up and our shoes going, Ow! 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 That hurts! But he was right. That preacher was right. Amen. How many people have come to an altar because somebody got up and just preached what was God put on their heart and it was meant for that individual? Amen. I'll never forget the preacher. When we, my wife and I lived in Dallas, I had to go down to Houston for a time and I met this preacher down there from Louisiana and he said when he was a young evangelist, he went to this little town one time to preach in this church and he showed up and it was the pastor and his wife and their, their kids and that was it. It was supposed to be a revival. And the, and the pastor said, well, you know, nobody's come. I guess, you know, we'll just have to cancel this. And he said, no, no, no. I'll go ahead and preach. First night he preached. Second night he preached. Third night he preached. Nobody came. You know, he, they went part of their ways and he went on to something else. And months and months later, he came back to that man's church. And there was a guy that came up to him and started thanking him profusely. He said, thank you for staying here. Thank you for preaching all three of those nights. He's looking at him like, like if I recall, there was nobody here. He said, I was here. I was standing outside the window. And he heard that man's message three nights in a row. And that God convicted that man and brought him into the truth. Amen. And it didn't make sense. And in man's wisdom, it was, oh, well, we'll just pack up and go. But he felt very strongly to go ahead and preach anyway. Thank God he listened to God's wisdom and not man's wisdom. And then there's probably, I don't know if that man's still in church or not, but I, I would venture to say that he is. Thank God that he preached to somebody that was standing outside the window. Amen. If I was that individual, I would say thank you. Amen. We, My wife and I are in church today because a man of God in Toledo, Ohio, that felt a call of God to go overseas to a military church in Okinawa, and all of his friends said, oh, don't go there. That, that place is burned over and dead. You'll never do anything there. That's what his friends, his preacher friends told him that. But he went anyway. Thank God he went. Because he was there for me and my wife when we got there. Thank God he didn't listen to the naysayers and the wisdom of men. He heard from God and he went and did what God said to do. And he was there for me and many others and my wife and many others in the military that came through that church that got found truth because that man wouldn't listen to the wisdom of men. Amen. We can become so easily blinded to the fact that all true wisdom comes from God. As I said earlier, we can become, we can be, begin to get knowledgeable about the Word of God and we can think, I, I know a lot of scriptures and I got this thing and, and God, if I need you, I'll let you know. We've got to be careful of that. And we can so easily slip into that. Unawares. We can so easily. It's The enemy is so subtle. He was what before he was cast out of heaven? An angel of light. He had beauty. And so he can make these things seem so tempting and beautiful. And it's I'm not really, really turning from God. I'm just kind of doing my own thing over here, you know. We gotta be careful. We can't depend on our will and our intellect to accomplish His will. Because He's not gonna use our intellect. Amen. He just wants us to be a vessel. He just wants to be able, you know, that word, that vessel, you know, one preacher says an old clay pot. That's all we are, it's just clay. We're just an old clay pot. 
He just wants somebody that he can operate through and work through. Paul didn't understand all the things that went on in his life and ministry. He just did what God told him to do. What did, what did, he, what did Ananias say when he went to him? He, I, I need you to go tell Paul the things he must suffer for, my, for the gospel. Knowing that he was going to have to suffer some things, he went anyway. How many of us would have turned and said, Oh, no. If i got to suffer something, I'm not in for that. Right? I want this to be easy and nice and comfortable. Amen? But that's not God's wisdom. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm coming to a close. Talking about the Apostle Paul. And the greatest preacher that ever lived in the Bible. That lived on this earth. The greatest preacher ever in the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. God called a man that was killing Christians and turned him around. Wasn't the wisdom, wasn't, man's wisdom wouldn't have given him a chance, a snowball's chance at being anything for God. 1 Corinthians 2.1. I'm putting the pressure on my booth person back there. Hallelujah. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I'm going to go through verse 8. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. I, and him crucified. I determined that I'm not going to do this by my wisdom. Because you have to understand, Paul was a Pharisee. He was educated. He had a highly, high, high-end education. He was like a, uh, like a scholar from Harvard or something. He had a very, very, very expensive schooling and education in his life. So Paul knew he couldn't do this based on his education, his knowledge of scripture and all those things. So he said, for I determined not to, not to, to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It all came down to just knowing who Jesus was. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I'm with you. I understand where you are. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power of God. God demonstrating Himself through his own works and his own things, through Paul's faith in him. For that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what the whole point of this message is. Our faith has to stand in the wisdom of God, in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Keep going. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul was acknowledging the power and authority and the wisdom of God operating through his through the Holy Ghost that was in him. Paul was looking back at his whole experience of his being visited by the Lord on the road to Damascus, of the blindness coming to his eyes, of Ananias coming and baptizing him, of all the things that he suffered and went through to become the greatest preacher that ever was in the book, in this book. Amen. But in all of that, Paul was 
remaining humble because he realized when when Jesus now this is just me if that was me and Jesus came to me and said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest wow wow that would have I mean that would have been enough to humble me right there to know that the one that I was fighting against was the one that was speaking to me on that road and I had been wrong all along anybody ever felt that way I've been thinking in my own wisdom. I've been, I've been, I thought I had this under control. I thought I understood everything, but I've been wrong all along. God's wisdom came into play and it, it just took everything that He knew and just wiped it out. And it was as if He started from scratch. And He probably did. He probably said, you know what? I gotta start over here. I gotta throw out all this wisdom and all this education and all this learning that I have. That has just bound me, and I gotta start listening to the one that called me. And God, I believe God gave him everything to say that he needed to say. All the writings that he wrote, we read them all the time. God gave him all of that for a reason. He was using him as a vessel. But we wouldn't have those writings of Paul if Paul had been lifted up in himself in his own wisdom. So let's stand in this place today. I just want to encourage you today, and I want you to understand that if you're trying to operate under your own wisdom, you're in a dangerous place. And my wife could play that song. And we're going to take a moment here and allow you to come to this altar or go to the altar where you're sitting. But I want, I want each one of us to, to begin to examine ourselves today and to, and to determine within our own mind, within our own relationship. You've probably already been thinking about it. As this message has been preached this morning, you've probably already been thinking about where you are in your walk with God, where you are in your life, where you are in this place. And so I want each of us to take a moment, whether you want to come to this altar or whether you want to turn around in your pew, but I want each one of us to take a few minutes today to begin to examine ourselves and to, to think about and ask the Lord, am I really trusting in you with all my heart? Am I really not leaning on my own understanding? Am, am I really acknowledging you in all of my ways? Help us right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Turn that up. Let's seek the Lord right now. Jesus, Jesus, we seek you right now. We want to know right now, Lord Jesus. We want to know, Lord Jesus. Is this, am I doing this right, Lord Jesus? Am I, am I baptized the way I need to be baptized, Lord Jesus? Do I have the thing that I need to have? Have I been trying to do this on my own? Turn it up a little bit. Hallelujah. More I seek. Jesus, we give you praise and glory. I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you more now than I ever needed you before. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, mighty God, mighty God. Turn it up some more. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We want to go forward in this thing, God. We want to go forward in this thing, Lord Jesus. We want to to grow in you, Lord Jesus, not according to our own wisdom, not according to our own thinking, not according to our own plan and purpose, but according to your plan, your purpose, Lord. Give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and revelation, Lord. 
in the knowledge of you today, Father. 